If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, leading ladies. Welcome to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, family physician, and executive leadership coach with over 20 years experience of providing primary care and serving as a healthcare leader. If you are a woman physician ready to make a change in your career and have a seat at the leadership table, then you are in the right place. I'm excited to provide you with the crucial skills you need to be a successful leader and strategies to deal with workplace challenges. So put on your headphones and listen as we explore the new world of building women physician leaders. Hello, leading ladies. Welcome back to another episode of the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lisa, your coach, your mentor, and your supporter in your leadership journey. In this series titled Laying the Foundation, I am going to be sharing with you a previously recorded episode with my super friend and my guest, Dr. Carol Penn. Dr. Carol Penn was one of the amazing speakers I had at my Summit earlier this year, and we talked about developing a leadership mindset. So in order to lay the foundation, in order to continue on your journey to leadership, you first have to develop the right mindset. So listen to this episode as Dr. Carol and I discuss the many facets of developing a leadership mindset on your journey to success. Good morning, Dr. Carol. Good morning, Dr. Lisa. I am so excited and happy to be here with you. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today for this Telesummit. So I am going to read your awesome, incredible bio so that we can get to know a little bit about your background. And then we're just going to hop into some questions. So Dr. Carol Penn is doubly board certified in family medicine and obesity medicine, as well as being a master movement meditation and mindset coach who brings more than 40 years of experience and expertise in mind-body medicine and the movement sciences. Gifted with the ability to inspire and educate about self-care, Dr. Penn brings a unique set of skills to her work as a physician. Her work in mindful movement and the dynamic small group facilitation work in mind-body-spirit medicine is designed to assist each participant in their journey of deep self-care and in learning how to prioritize themselves on behalf of achieving their best and highest self. Dr. Penn, hoping to guide each person on their own unique journey, holds national certifications in mind-body medicine from the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, Health, Wellness, and Fitness Coach from Well Coaches, 
and is a certified personal trainer from the National Council on Strength and Fitness. Additionally, she has a 500-hour certification in yoga from Soma Yoga and is certified in organ cleansing Kikang. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. She also brings her artistic sensibilities to the marriage of the arts and medicine with her background as a professionally trained dancer and choreographer with the world famous Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater and a Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts Teaching Fellow. Dr. Penn will get you moving and keep you moving on your path to health and wellness. Having achieved a rare standard of excellence in the academic community, Dr. Penn is a fellow in the American Academy of Osteopathic Family Physicians and clinical faculty with Rowan University School of Osteopathic Medicine, the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, and the Medical Moguls Academy. She is a recent graduate of the Whole Health Medical Institute and serves as a leader in her community as a member of the Board of Health and in her capacity as a trustee with Lunch Break, Inc. She is also a two-time best-selling author and her book, Meditation in the Time of Madness, launched in 2019 as a number one bestseller in the category of meditation and alternative medicine. She is a businesswoman, a servant leader, and an entrepreneur and a founder, activist, and chief visionary officer of Penn Global Visions, LLC, a health and education multimedia firm changing the world one meditation at a time. Soon the doors to Penn Mogul Medical Group, her concierge medical practice will be open. She is a medical correspondent for WURD Radio in Philadelphia, where she is a frequent guest and podcaster, as well as the host of her own weekly show and podcast, Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit. A creative forever, she continues to direct all of her volunteer women's dance ensemble, Core of Fire. She is a super proud wife, mom, and daughter living and loving in the midst of a beautiful blended family surrounded by a beloved extended family and connections and kinship with friends and colleagues. So again, Dr. Carol, welcome, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, this is truly an honor to have you here. Reading your bio, I thought, oh my gosh, what else is there for her to accomplish? (laughs) (laughs) So you have been um, through some, some very different, unique uh, career changes, transitions throughout your, your journey and throughout your career. So I wanted you to just maybe share a little bit about that journey with us, your journey from being a dancer to a physician leader in family medicine and obesity medicine, and now having all of this, um, these certifications and experience and mind body medicine movement and incorporating that now for professionals. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, my goodness, it has been more like an adventure for sure. Um, but I, I have to say that I've been reflecting lately on that question. And so much of where I have arrived today has to do with imagination and curiosity. As a young child, I was always encouraged to use my imagination 
to cultivate my imagination because as my grandmother would tell me, well, if you use your imagination, there's nowhere that you can't go. There's nowhere you can't be and there's nothing that you can't understand. And so that was cultivated by lots and lots of trips to the library, lots of reading, early exposure to the arts, not only in taking dance lessons, but in actually going to see the great performances of the day. So it is something that I, if I had to point, you know, drill everything down to, well, how did you get from there to here? Dancer to doula to doctor. I'd have to say it really goes down to imagination. What can't you be if you can conceive it in your mind? We hear if you can conceive it, you can achieve it. And so this has really helped me throughout my entire life. So first of all, I was this little African-American girl from a small town in, you know, Red Bank, New Jersey. And I had to have the imagination to, first of all, want to even dream of becoming a professional dancer. You know, how does that happen? I didn't know any professional dancers. There weren't any performers in my family that I could point to. But it was like, you know, that little kernel that says, hmm, there's something out there that you're drawn to. Hmm, let's get curious about that. Let's see what happens. And of course, you know, my parents, they sent me to dance lessons and encouraged me to pursue the curiosity, to pursue the imagination. And I just loved it. And then when I started thinking about becoming a doctor. And that seed was first planted when I was little. When I was five, I said, I'm going to be a dancer and a doctor, but I have to be the dancer first. Because when you turn 25, you'll be too old to be a dancer. And <laughs> right. that's when you can go ahead and go ahead and be a doctor. You know, so, you know, this is a little, the little girl's imagination. I have since used my imagination to revise my opinion about 25 being too old, but that's, you know, I digress. So, I you and I and I never let that little girl who had such a beautiful vivid imagination I never let her be buried I never let her be forgotten I never let her be thwarted because sometimes you know so many you know we go through so many changes we become adults and all of that wonder of the child gets buried so deep inside and we lose access to it. But the truth of who we are, the purpose of our life, the divinity of our life, the possibility of our life forever remains alive in the heart of the child. And it's up to us to tap into the heart of the child and keep that alive throughout all of our life and cast it before us so that we always have something to evolve to, to grow to. Absolutely. I love that story. And I think it's so important for us as, um, and I'm glad your parents did that. I think it's so important for us as parents to really, you know, cultivate at an early age, the things that interest our children and allow them really to explore, you know, um, instead of just sometimes being on a one track mind. 
I think a lot of times for us, even as um, we're going through the medical journey through medical school and residency, that being in that space sometimes doesn't allow us the ability to really cultivate other interests or to explore other interests. No, that's right. And it's important, you know, when I, when I think of, um, you know, some of, you know, the, the like famous medical minds and, and doctors, when you look into their background, yes, sure, they had the medical knowledge, but a lot of them also had great imagination. They had also cultivated other talents. They've, they've been musicians. They've been writers. And they were able to think creatively outside of the box. That's why they got famous, because they were able to solve problems that had mystified others. And some others you can be you can be an excellent technician that you know colors in the lines and follows the algorithms. And you'll probably remain unknown. It's the people who take things and dismantle it, turn it on its end that come up with the creative solutions, that come up with the ability to solve problems. And those are the folks that we remember. Absolutely. Absolutely. So during this um, transition for you, you know, from being, and I think you still carry the creative um, instinct and, and the creativity through your entire career, obviously, because now you're, you know, in the mind, body, spirit space and, um, cultivating that aspect. But what was the most difficult part of your journey? I would say the most difficult part of my journey was, you know, over, first of all, overcoming some of my own mindset, or I would say mindset setbacks or when I question myself or second guess myself. So when I finally did decide I was going to go back to school, I was married, I had a child, so I'd started my family. And now instead of being 25, I'm in my late 40s. And people, you know, so right away, oh, you know, you're going to be so old when you finish. Oh, you're going to be, you know, in your 50s by the time you get out because you've been out of school so long, you're going to have to do you know, everything from scratch. And yep, 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 yep. Those are all true. All some of those, you know, those human obstacles and, 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 and the way that we were, you know, fully in our human experience, you know, th- there are limits. There, there, there are, you know, we have age, we have linear time, we have you know, limited uh, thought patterns. Uh, we, you know, we tend to hold ourselves back. I also went through, um, unfortunately, a very uh, difficult end to my marriage. And now I'm going to be a single parent trying to, to do this. And so, you know, those kinds of things where doubt creeps in and you begin to hold yourself back. Mind you, the world hasn't moved in to hold you back yet, but you're you're starting to hold yourself back. So the first thing I had to get over was this idea of, oh my goodness, by the time you finish, you'll be like, you know, in your mid fifties, you have to do everything from scratch. You know, can you even do it? Blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay, a couple of things about this. Yes. If you keep breathing one day, you will be in your mid fifties. Now, do you want to be in your mid fifties and look back and say, 
you know, look at what you did, or even if you never got into medical school, do you want to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, well, you know what, girl, you did everything you knew how to possibly do. You walked yourself right up to the gate and put the key in and either the key will turn or not turn because there are other factors. You know, people have to let you in. They have to look over your material. You have you know, have to pass certain examinations and whatnot. And I said, you need to stop worrying about and being fixated upon other people's statements and the fact that, yes, you are a human being. And if you add 10 years to where you are now, you're going to be in your mid fifties and, you know, God bless, hopefully you will be alive in your mid fifties and just mind your business, meaning do what you have control over. So instead of being a daughter of doubt, I wanted to demonstrate to my child that his mother was a daughter of determination. And so I decided I was going to be a daughter of determination and go ahead and first of all, see if I could pass the math, you know, see if my left side, my linear side of the brain could kick in because if that didn't kick in, then I could relax and stay in my wonderful career in dance and choreography and education, and I wouldn't have to worry about the rest. So I took that first math class. I hadn't had any math since sophomore year of high school. And lo and behold, left side of the brain kicked in. I passed it first question answered. And really, once I answered that first question, I just kind of put one foot in front of the other, one course at a time, and kept on walking toward my goal. As obstacles came up, and sometimes I fell back and fell back hard, I said, okay, one breath, pick yourself up. Let's see, can you go through this? Can you go under it? Can you go around it? And then obstacle cleared, go on to the next. And I really did it like that until I walked myself through to completing my residency training and my board certification, you know, goal by goal, obstacle by obstacle. And, you know, here I am. Oh gosh, that's that's a wonderful story, Dr. Carroll, and such determination um, you know, that you've had to have obviously to completely switch careers and then to switch careers later on in life as well, where some people would see that as a huge challenge and may have backed away from it. So, um, kudos to you for for just sticking through and being able now to share your gift with the world. I mean, think about if you had not, right, had the determination to kind of move forward. So so that's wonderful. I, I wonder if you can share with us a little bit about mindset, because I think that in order for you, as you mentioned, to sort of, you know, go one step at a time, one goal at a time, you had to develop a mindset of not only positivity, but of determination as well. And I think that for... um our listeners, for those who might be thinking about, you know, changing or transitioning into different roles, maybe one of those might be something in leadership. What 
type of mindset would um, someone have to develop in order to, or what are some ways that, you know, we can start to develop a mindset for switching into um, a different sort of area of, of um, our career or switching to a leadership position? Well, I think there are, are, are two things that come to mind. First of all, in developing mindset, one has to cultivate or develop the attitude of self-study and self-care. So what I mean by self-care, I don't mean getting your hair and nails done. That's self-maintenance, important, right? <laughs> but it, it <laughs> is not the type of self-care that I'm talking about. So self-care means to nurture oneself so that you can live your best life. And I'm talking about mind-body skills like meditation, like uh, guided imagery, like understanding your genogram, like understanding your dialogue with a symptom, like understanding how to use drawings and journaling to cultivate this attitude towards self-care so that you can give from your overflow, keeping your cup filled so that you give from your overflow. Many of us do wonderful things in leadership and we're exhausted all the time. We're drained all the time because we're giving from our cup, our, our most dear, cherished inner resources and not from the overflow. So most of us have to learn how to keep our cup filled so that we are evergreen and that we are able to give to others from that place of abundance, that place of generosity, that place of love, that place of fulfillment. Instead of the grind, I'm resentful because I'm exhausted. I'm resentful because I'm tired. I'm resentful because I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm resentful because I seem to be giving to everybody else and I can't get to myself. I can't do anything for myself. I've gained this weight. My goodness, my medication is increasing. The doses in my medication are, I seem to be getting sicker, not better. And yet they'll still keep pushing through from that grind. So I like to really teach people about what true self-care is and what that means and give them some specific tools and resources so that they can fill their cup. And then that brings me into self-study that one must look at and study these things so that you know what it is that you need And when you need to employ it, much like a surgeon knows what instruments they need to successfully complete the surgery, and they'll have a whole tray of instruments laid out, but they'll know this is my first choice, but if this doesn't work, here are my backup tools. Just like a psychiatrist knows, here's my approach to the patient and to help them with their you know, their mental illness. And here's my first plan, but oh my goodness, if that's not working, I've got this plan and this plan or this approach and this approach. Oh my goodness, the family medicine doctor. Oh, I have a patient presenting with 
this symptom. Here are my possible diagnoses. Here are the possible medications that I might use depending upon what my lab results tell me. So just in that same way, we carry out the different aspects of the different specialties in medicine. We have to be that specific with ourselves, our self-study and our self-care. I'm facing this situation. I need to take these tools into the situation with me so that I bring my A game and that I can be refreshed and renewed day after day. Because again, what's going to happen? You're going to have the goals, the challenges, and the obstacles, and that's not going to change. And I've developed my expertise in that area so I can teach you to care for yourself and to execute with your toolkit the same way that the surgeon can go ahead and execute and complete a perfect surgery. Absolutely. I I love that um, having a toolkit, you know, um, the resources that we all need to be able to start to develop that mindset that will keep us, um, you know, from burnout, basically. It, It was what it sounds like, right? For us to continue to be able to practice those um, self-care techniques that'll continue to help us to lead and continue to help us in our careers. Absolutely. You want to be kept from burnout. And really what we're talking about, we're talking about uh, preventing post-traumatic stress disorder. Cause that's a, your burnout is, you know, that's a phrase that mm, it's, it's too polite. It's too mm-hmm. polite because what, as we, you know, we're seeing these increasing rates of depression and mental illness and suicidality among physicians. Well, that's that's beyond burnout. We're we've gone. We're in moral injury. Yeah, we are post traumatic stress disorder. And what the studies show with these tools, and I'm doing a lot of work uh, with the Department of Defense and the Veterans Administration who have really looked at this in terms of our troops returning with post-traumatic stress disorder and those troops that are suffering from military uh, sexual trauma, is that the efficacy is in learning meditation, the different approaches to meditation, finding the meditative approach that puts you in a state of relaxed awareness And some of these tools might include using drawing, using journaling, uh, using uh, writing techniques, something uh, called a dialogue with a symptom, using looking at uh, genealogy to to uncover uh, perhaps some of the patterns of trauma that really set the stage for you experiencing your own trauma and the intergenerational trauma that we see, particularly um, from marginalized uh, communities and communities of color. So we're really talking about, you know, hardcore data-driven evidence-based science that let us know this is the direction this is the path that we need to be going on. This is what we need to be studying. This is what we need to be incorporating for ourselves. This is what we need to use and to have in our leadership positions. And this is what we need to use when dealing with our patients. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Carol, for sharing with us your 
expertise, your insight, for sharing your resources and pearls with us. I'm sure that this is going to help so many of our listeners. So we thank you for giving us and providing us with this information. So as before we leave, if you can share three tips with our listeners about how to show up with confidence in the workplace as a leader. So what are the, some of the things that I guess we can do with our mindset or, or how we can start to develop that to show up with confidence in the workplace? All right. So here are my three tips. So meditate, meditate, meditate. I am on a mission to teach leaders how to use meditation. And what do I mean by that? How is it that you can show up in a state of relaxed awareness in your role as a leader? Because being in a state of relaxed awareness is going to allow you to be clear-minded enough to make critical decisions, to clear your higher order thinking skills, because when we're in our right mind, that's our best mind. And the pathway to that is a self-care practice of some type of meditation. Um, So that would be number one. And I'd be happy to talk to anyone who wants to know more about that. Particularly a lot of people say to me, they can't meditate. And I ask you, ask them what they're trying. And I say, well, do you know that there are many, many, many approaches to meditation? Let's just find the right one for you. Number two, mindful movement, mindful movement. What are you doing with your body to prepare your body for leadership? The head and the heart and the hands are all connected. So mindful movement, because it can come from the head to the body or from the body to the head. And movement, we know, is the gateway to mindfulness, the gateway to cultivating clarity and focus and concentration. So tip number two, mindful movement. What kind of mindful movement are you doing? to prepare yourself for leadership. And very specifically, you're either going to be doing something similar to Qigong or Tai Chi, one of the martial arts, or a movement practice like yoga, both of which were specifically designed to cultivate the mindful body, which leads to cultivating the clear thinking mind. And number three, let food be thy medicine. Let food be thy medicine. So food gives us our energetic imprint. What are you putting into your body and your brain by way of nutrition? Are you eating in a way that gives you energy, that helps you have great, clear mental clarity that keeps you energized all day, that allows you to go into a a restorative and restful sleep at night? Or are you kind of, you know, grabbing the fat-filled, sugar-filled donuts because 
you, you've been too busy to do any kind of food prep. And so now you're hungry and you just, you know, grab the, the quickest thing or you're in and out of the fast food restaurant. Or when you go into the grocery store, when you have that time to dash in, again, you know, you're not shopping on the periphery with your fresh fruits, vegetables, produce, meats, etc. But you're going down those center aisles, grabbing those prepared foods. And when you look on the ingredients, it doesn't look like there's any food in that box at all. So those are my three tips. Meditation mindful movement, and then food as medicine. Thank you so much. I love those three tips. And I think that's definitely something that we can all start to incorporate into our daily routines. So thank you for sharing those three tips with us, Dr. Carol. So this has been an amazing, amazing time that we have had to talk with you. And again, just get your insight, your experience and your wisdom around uh, mindset um, and all the things that we need to thrive as leaders. So Dr. Carol, how do our listeners find out more about you? Oh my goodness. Well, they can come on over to my website, www.drcarolpenn.com, D-R-C-A-R-O-L-P-E-N-N.com. And I know you're going to share some freebies and goodies. I have a holiday bundle um, that I hope that people will get a chance to, to grab. And I'm thanking Dr. Lisa and ahead of time for sharing that. And that includes a free video, 5210 Reset. And it's going to help people shed some of these uh, COVID-19 plus pounds that people have been complaining about gaining and really help set the whole reset in terms of food as medicine and the approach to eating that we need to be taking in 2021 to be our best selves. So, and people, you know, people can also email me. They've got some questions, info at drcarolpen.com, I-N-F-O at D-R-C-A-R-O-L-P-E-N-N.com. And I am more than happy to be in touch and to talk to all of the fantastic people that you are teaching. And thank you for the work that you're doing, Dr. Lisa. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Carol. I really, really appreciate you. Um, you know, I am a student of your work as well. So I am just grateful for everything that you have taught me as well along my journey. So we are, um, again, looking forward to seeing you at the conference. And again, she does have, Dr. Carol has an amazing gift for you. I will be sharing the link to that gift um, in uh, an email that you will get after the conference. So make sure you look out for her link as well as the other links from our other guests as well so that you can make sure that you grab those amazing gifts that they have for you. So thank you again, Dr. Carol, and I hope that you have a great rest of your week and we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening today and for allowing me to be a part of your career journey. To continue receiving leadership support, I invite you to join our private Facebook group, Building Women Physician Leaders at www.leadingladiesincharge.com. Until next time, take care. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, 
you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.